In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. There's huge explosive news today, JB. The Toronto Argonauts trading their what was to be the franchise quarterback, Nick Arbuckle, to the Edmonton Elks. We've got a huge lineup of stuff to talk about today, but we'll begin right there with the Arbuckle trade because that's what everyone wants to know about. We moved up our podcast so that we could address it the day of. Initial reaction, JB, what, what was your thought when you first heard this news? Because I actually know what your thought was, but why don't you tell the people uh, listening what your first thought was? Because it was very different from mine. Yeah, my first thought was I expected that. I thought that a trade was probably coming because the Argos had decided that Arbuckle was not the quarterback moving forward. My initial thought was anger. And it took me a long time. I had hours of anger today where I was just raging about it because in a vacuum, if you just look at this as a football move, nothing else exists. There's nothing around it. It's a terrible deal. You trade away Nick Arbuckle, who is, you know, maybe he's not, maybe he's not the best quarterback on the team. He might not be better than McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't think you're going to get consensus on that, but okay, let's, let's say he's not. He's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He's still a starting caliber CFL quarterback. And they traded him away for a conditional second round pick and the rights to Chad Kelly, uh, the much troubled quarterback uh, who is not on any team at the moment, um, nephew of Jim Kelly. And, you know, that's that's obviously a, a future move. So on the surface, just as a football move, it's a it's a terrible trade and on the heels of on the heels is, is not the right expression because it's been too long now but the Alden Darby trade is still very fresh in people's mind and that was a trade that went nowhere the asset they traded for is no longer on the team and so there's still a lot of anger and outrage a very much loved player in Alden Darby and now you've got Nick Arbuckle who again was very well liked he has handled himself perfectly ever since he arrived and the last game that he played was his best game of the year where he looked great against Saskatchewan. And and now that's it. And he's gone. And so there was a lot of anger today from Argos fans. And I completely get it. I was right there too. I raged back and forth all day because nobody can argue that as a football move, there's there's no question. This is a terrible football move. <laughs> well, I think, I think there are a couple of takeaways. I think number one is be very careful about who you put on the back of your Argos jersey. Uh, no kidding. I think, I think that number two, clearly this is a cash dump. They were very open about that, that they needed the cap space with guys coming back and that their hands are tied in this compressed season. So, you know, I thought that that was um, legitimate that, that, they, that they wanted to do this. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I think the evaluation was simply... It, it's it's you know as I've said before like it's simpler to have one quarterback it it really is in in every way shape or form which is why in the history of football you know teams have one quarterback like basically you can think of like maybe two or three examples in thirty years of football where you've got two guys and it just it just doesn't work you you, you have your guy and you're all in. And, uh, you know, I think 
I think it's the right play. It, it hurts because, of course, if Macbeth goes down, you know, Pipkin has to has to come in, and that's going to be a drop-off. Um, but I think at this point, it was sort of a combination of, of cash dump and the organization, you know, uh, basically moving on, which which I think is the right play. I think you... You're 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 still looking for the guy. I don't I don't know necessarily if Macbeth is the guy, so I think you you keep looking, but you weren't going to keep them both for next year. I I had made that argument, so you might as well do it now as the off season. It was basically two things that forced their hand. So, like you said, the quarterback competition and John Murphy in his press conference that they held today. And I want to I want to applaud the Argos for the way that they have actually handled this today. It was unfortunate that the news broke ahead of them and you know it would have been nice if they were able to kind of get out in front of this and and handle it properly but the way they did handle it once they had a chance to was excellent if you haven't had a chance to go to the argonauts website uh, argonauts.ca they've got the, the full press conference there and i think uh what murphy says is the part that calmed me down first of all I believe Murphy, I believe Dinwiddie. You can say what you want about the organization. The Toronto Argonauts from the front office on down have been very open and honest. It's a group that is very transparent. And they have been, you know, whether it's going all the way back to the draft and their thoughts on it, uh, pre-draft, post-draft, and leading right through the season. They're, they're very upfront. It's unusual, but they are. And I have no reason to doubt anything that anyone says on there. And Murphy explains it really clearly. He says, first of all, yes, this was a quarterback competition that was won by McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And while I liked Arbuckle's play against Saskatchewan, I can't really argue when McLeod went in and, and pulled off three straight victories and, you know, looked, looked great. It wasn't a good week last week for him, but to, to beat Hamilton, to put together consecutive wins like that uh, was, was, he made him very deserving of that of that lead job. So, okay, shelve that away. He's the starting quarterback. The next part is they were in a position where financially, because of the salary cap, they had to get rid of one of those two quarterbacks. They basically had to get rid of either McLeod Bethel-Thompson or Nick Arbuckle because they didn't have the money under the cap. And the reason for that is the number of Canadians that have been injured throughout the year. And JB, we were talking about this before we started recording. We were kind of going through the list of Canadians that have not just been injured, but injured for extended time. And you've got to remember that, and Murphy explains this again very well in the press conference, so I won't reiterate everything that he says, but but essentially they're in a position where they can't just write off this money. They can't have, okay, you're Canadian who's, who's injured, so now you're cut, or we're just going to shelve you away on the, the practice roster, or you won't count towards the cap. There, there are so many restrictions in place that don't allow you to do this. So you look at the the Canadians on extended injury time. You've got Jawan Breskison, who's been out since almost the beginning of the year. Cameron Judge, who's missed many games. Levine Noel, when's the last time we saw him? Darius Bladek has missed three straight games. Jake Reinhardt is done for the season. Even Enoch Mwamba was out for several games in a row. Matt Boateng, Jamal Campbell is, was out last week. He's probably going to be out this week too, if not longer. Uh, and then last game alone, you saw Arjun Cahoon go down, Dylan Giffen, Fabian Foote, uh, Patrick Lavoie, Shane Richards, uh, and then you add in Alexandre Chevrier and Brandon Calver. It's These are all Canadians that have been mostly out for an extended period of time and mostly injured in the last three games. And so 
you need to refill these spots and bringing in national players of a certain caliber is expensive. And they were in a position where they could do one of two things. Either they keep Arbuckle and McLeod and the rest of the team deteriorates in terms of quality. They, they're forced to start people who just simply aren't ready to be at their starters or they get rid of one of the quarterbacks. And really, that's not a choice at that point. No, I, I think if you're an Argo fan, I think that you, you know, I wouldn't be upset. I would say that, you know, that the team is is rightfully keeping their options open. I think that they'll still be on the lookout for for a quarterback next year. And uh, I think that's the right way to play it. I think you, you try guys out and you see if you catch some lightning in a bottle. And if you don't, you move on. So I'm, I, I think from a, from a kind of cold organizational point of view, I, I'm, I'm good with it. And I've calmed down. I'm still angry about it, but I don't think there was another option. And having listened to the press conference today to Coach Dinwiddie, and, and you can see from Coach Dinwiddie too, like this wasn't something they wanted. They actually really liked the plan of two quarterbacks. It was very handy. They wouldn't be in the position they're in this year in the standings had they not had two starting quarterbacks. But the reality is, like we've gone over, it just wasn't feasible anymore. Now, if there aren't this rash of injuries, and as Murphy said, he's been around the game for a long time. He has never seen them lose this many, not just Canadians, Canadian starters. uh, To lose three a game for three games in a row is unheard of. And so had that not happened, then they probably would have kept both all the way through. They certainly didn't want to get rid of Nick Arbuckle. This wasn't something they were looking for. And you can see the compensation doesn't make it worthwhile. But, you know, they were they were forced. And, you know, what they got back, uh, a lottery ticket in Chad Kelly is probably not going to turn into anything. But it, some of the lottery tickets have hit, maybe. And then the conditional second round pick, which depending on whether or not Nick Arbuckle re-signs in Edmonton, that, that could be a third round pick. That's OK. Well, I, I, yeah. And I look, my, my feeling is, yes, this was um, expedient for the team. But I, I do think at the end of the day that at its core, this is an evaluation trade. And their evaluation was that he was not going to be the quarterback moving forward. And the luxury of having uh, a well-paid backup is just not one that, that almost any team in the CFL can have. Um, so, you know, I, I do think it was money-assisted. But I, I, you know, I, I do think people shouldn't feel like he was ripped away from the Argos. I think the Argos, at at its core, made a talent evaluation decision here. They did, but it had to be one of the two. They couldn't keep both, and they've decided that McLeod Bethel Thompson gives them the best chance to win. Well, and ma- so ma- they have to get rid I, I of never, I never believe any organization that says it had to be. I, I believe the Argos. I think they have been they because they've never given us anything. To doubt them this this front office and this coaching staff has been sometimes honest to a, a flaw i don't know but you think you think there's only one solution to their there's no such thing as one solution in professional sports the only other solution i could think of and i i did the math on this i was well, you know i, mean, I don't they, know everyone's salary going through the whole team but i i started working through the math on this to see where approximately they were and i don't think there is another solution the quarterbacks get paid so much more than everybody else in the CFL and the NFL too, but in the CFL, they get paid so much more that 
the problem is if you any other solution would require them not to face any more injuries going forward they would have to go the rest of the year and have no one get hurt and the price of someone else getting hurt at that point past the trade deadline because the trade deadline is is only a couple days away then they have no options at that point they get nothing and there's no solution you can't get the people off your off your books this was the only way to do it i, I can't see any other solution to it Right. And so, yeah, so, I mean, that's fine. I just think the core takeaway is that Arbuckle was not good enough to be the starter and they moved on. And that part is true. I, I agree. He They decided McLeod is, is better and, and it's really hard to argue with that based on his, his performance, especially that first Montreal game, the second uh, the second game uh, in Hamilton or the, the win in Hamilton just a few weeks ago. And yeah, he won the he won the the quarterback job. Now, just a quick word on Arbuckle because I think it needs to be said. It makes it it upsets me that he has to move because he I think has done everything right. I think he was a very good teammate. I think his effort was always there. I think he played through injury. He gave everything he had. And while I don't know him personally, he seems like a decent human being and no one has anything bad to say about him. McLeod Bethel Thompson was gushing about him and had, had only high praise for, for Arbuckle. He has always treated me with a lot of respect at the press conferences and in the few engagements that we've had just uh, has been nothing but a stand-up individual. And for him to have to move yet again, uh, I, I feel for, for him and his family, but it's just, you know, that's the life of a professional football player. It's just sad that it had to happen to, to a guy like him. Now, the other side of this is here now we've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson as the face of the franchise. JB, he's never been this before. He's always been that sort of underdog backup trying to take that lead spot. And there's always been someone else there that he's been fighting it out with. He doesn't have that anymore. Any concerns? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought that he's been playing very within a system. And he's been generally very good with the ball, although he not so much in the Montreal game. I mean, the Montreal game was a little bit of the old guy, um, so that worries me a little bit. I, you know, I want him to play within himself and to not turn the ball over. Um, hopefully, that will continue even without having um, a fight for the starting position, keeping him in check. So I, I certainly hope that the flashes of the old uh, Bethel Thompson in the Montreal game are are kind of pushed down and he gets back to being a controlled quarterback within a system um, like he, he was earlier where, you know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire, but he was efficient and professional. And I, I hope he keeps that going and he doesn't turn into, you know, the gunslinging turnover machine. I like to think, and we, we've covered this in, in our post-game podcast last week, but I, I think a lot of that was due to the protection that he just wasn't getting. Uh, it just wasn't there. The right side of the line was was not giving him any time, and I think that's what led to a lot of the turnovers. And from all accounts, from everyone at the game, too, watching him up and down the sidelines, you know, screaming at the offense to try and get them, get them motivated, to get them together, to get them picking up blitzes. Uh, he was in the offensive line's face, and being a team leader and being a, a general out there, which again, again, is another one of the qualities that they really liked about him. And he is, you can tell how invested he is in this. He wants this 
as badly as anybody. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to turn the ball over. You know, desire doesn't always uh, equal uh, to turn into results. But I think they really like what they saw from him on that side and the fire that he brought too. The only other piece of news I got I, we've got before transactions, there was an interesting comment that was made on on. Charleston Hughes. And I just want to read a couple quotes from you. I'm going to give credit here to Mike Mitchell from CFL News Hub, who uh, put a bunch of these lines together in in his article today, writing about this. So uh, these are all from from Murphy responding to, um, to a question about Charleston Hughes. And he said, hey, we are here to make plays. We're not here to almost make plays. We didn't sign somebody to almost get pressures. For his job security and mine, he better start getting to the quarterback. That I was stunned by. I did not expect to hear that coming out of Murphy's mouth. Uh, is, is this a short leash for Charleston Hughes? I, I don't know what to make of this. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure that is connected to the frustration about running out of budget. And when they look at the budget and they look at what they're paying Charleston Hughes, that they would have preferred to be able to cut him and have his money. Uh, and keep our buckle. I'm sure there's some frustration there. Um, in in Charleston's defense, you know he's 37 years old, and when they brought him in, I mean, we talked back in the spring. It, it made sense for him to be like 10, 12 plays a game. You bring him in on obvious pass rushing downs, and you kind of let him do his thing, and 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 maybe it works, and maybe it doesn't. Um, but they had him playing, you know, full games at defensive line. So, like, it's no wonder he's out of gas. Like, uh, you know, to, to think that you were going to bring him in and have him be a full-time defensive lineman for 14 games, I think, is is preposterous. Like, I thought 10 snaps a game, you know, at max, and then maybe you have him in the playoff for his first step. But, you know, I, I think that it's pretty tough to be – to be mad at a 37-year-old defensive lineman for not being able to uh, to be a force uh, this late in the season. Three transactions this week, all Canadians brought in to replace injured Canadians, uh, most likely. So the Argonauts welcome back uh, wide receiver Brian Jones, who was with the team 2016 to 2018, a first-round pick uh, out of Acadia, 6'4", 233, uh, really a, a special teams contributor. He has gotten on the field as a receiver, but is a valuable special teamer. And I expect him to be in there soon because all of these Canadian special teams specialists are hurt right now. And so I expect him to be out there pretty quickly. Similar with uh, defensive back Dondre Wright, although Wright has actually been a serious contributor on the field. Uh, he was drafted by Montreal, um, played the 2019 season in Winnipeg. I think he ended up on the practice squad at the end of the year in Winnipeg, but he is a contributor. He's gotten game time and he is the the replacement for, for the injured Arjun Cahoon uh, because he's, I don't think he's quite, uh, as good a, a player as as Arjun is, but he's close. He's and he's got that that experience and the potential to get in there right away and to to be able to to play if called upon. If anything, you know, God forbid, uh, happens to any of the other defensive backs, uh, Dondre Wright can can get in there and play. And then the third pickup was defensive lineman uh, Benoit Marion. Uh, third round draft pick from 2020 uh, from Montreal. That's an odd one that they 
had let him go uh, because he just really didn't get too much of a shot. But we take a look, see what you've got in him. But they may need him. He may be he may be dressing sooner than later, depending on how quickly some of these guys get back from injury. So not necessarily thrilling transactions compared to the Arbuckle trade, but needed pieces, three more Canadians in as so many Canadians are, are on the injured list. JB, let's talk about the BC game. We'll turn our attention now to this pretty important game against the Lions, a, a game that I didn't feel would have been as stressful had they managed to take care of business in Montreal. But now this has become a game that you've got to win. They have no business losing to the BC Lions. They've been absolutely manhandled ever since they lost Lucky Whitehead. And it's amazing how losing one player of that caliber can just shift the direction of the team. But it seems to have. And this is a game that the Argos just can't afford to lose. The uh, the fact that they you know we were beaten pretty soundly by Montreal takes away any issues about this being a trap game, which probably would have been my concern had we won in Montreal, that maybe we were looking past this game. But, uh, you know, having to get a win at home against BC, who, uh, you know, you can see the smoke from here, you know, I think is a good, is a good scenario. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any need to, to be cute about it. I think that they're uh, a team that is uh, leaking oil and we should be able to uh, take care of business at home, especially after, uh, you know, getting smacked around by Montreal. Yeah. Since losing lucky whitehead, BC has lost 30 to nine, 39 to 10. And then they were just like absolutely pants last week in Winnipeg, 45, nothing. So, yeah, this 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 has to be a win. It has to be a win. And that's this is going to be it's a good test for the Argos. This is now their team. This is their direction. This is McLeod's team. Let's see what he does with it this week. Yeah, I, I'm you know, I, I would hope that there'll be, you know, it's, I mean, the team has been that way for most of the season, kind of up and down on and off. Um, they've certainly shown to be uh, very efficient at home. So I, I would be optimistic if we were in BC. I would put myself as uh, incredibly confident with with a home game. JB, it's time for OCDC. <laughs> the way this segment works, I will be the offensive coordinator for both the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. JB will be the defensive coordinator for both the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. Let's start off first for the Lions. So as offensive coordinator for the Lions, here is my plan this week. I really wish as the offensive coordinator for the Lions that I had a healthy Nathan Rourke because I would actually like to use him a lot in this game. I think the things that I want to do schematically almost favor him. Michael Riley, he's, he's still a great quarterback. He can still chuck the ball. I really want to move the pocket though. I want to change the release point. He got no protection against Winnipeg. They were just rushing for, and I know their defensive line is is sick, but it was it was awkward how little time he had to pass. And he's not the best quarterback at uh, you know in his advanced experience uh, at getting out of the pocket and and you know moving the 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 release point around. So yeah, Nathan Rourke would have been interesting and I think I might have actually gone with him at least in a platooning scenario, but that's not really an option. 
So for Michael Riley, I want to see play action. I want to th- see things that are going to slow down the pass rush too. I want to see screens. Um, those are things that I think will will work early on. Just find a way to keep the dogs off. And so quick screens, jailbreak screens, slip screens, those are going to be in, in play. When you can move the pocket, I'd like to see that. I, I think, you know, Michael Riley, he, he's not a speedster. He still can throw really well on the run. It's just he's not going to be quite as wide out as Nathan Rourke might be. But that's going to be my plan against the Toronto Argonauts. I don't think it's going to work because I think the the Argonauts just are that much superior uh, in terms of a, a football team. But that would be my game plan coming into this. Where are you going as the defensive coordinator for the BC Lions, JB? Well, I mean, focusing on, on Bethel Thompson... I think that you know his his strengths and weaknesses we've we've talked about. You know, I lot of lot of deep coverage, cover three, cover two man. Um, you know, daring him to matriculate down the field. He clearly has a big arm and he wants to use it. Um, he he does make the occasional bad throw when he is rushed. So you know, get him off the spot. So you're gonna you're gonna blitz up the middle. I think if you get him moving in the pocket, you know, he, he often makes uh, poor decisions. So, you know, I think it's a pretty standard defense. I think you've got you've got deep guys to take away the deep pass. You're looking to get pressure up the middle. And, you know, you're going to throw stunts at that line till they show they can pick them up. And, uh, you know, I think... I think if you do that, that that is how you get to him. I think you 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 challenge his uh, accuracy, and you you dare him to throw the deep ball, and he wants to, right? That that's what he does well. Um, you know, if I were the defense too, I know that he's been eating on those field uh, flats, field out routes. I would sit on one of those too. I would absolutely give him a look at one of those and be all over it. I, I I can't believe that that he hasn't been caught yet. I know his arm is is strong and he's made those throws, but if I were the defensive backs for BC, I would set him up and say, "Why don't you take this?" and I'd be all over that throw. Yeah, I agree, and I, like I said, I, I like your. Like you said, the the plan to test the line. I think you're almost testing the line more than you are Bethel Thompson with that blitz plan because they just showed the inability to to pick anything up last week. And so Bethel Thompson, as tough as he's been over the last two games, he's taken a ton of hits in that Hamilton game. And then last week in Montreal, there's only so many hits you can take before it starts getting to you. And while he has stood in there in the pocket and delivered the football, at some point, it is going to start translating into, yeah. and maybe maybe that was last week. Like, it I don't a, think he's going to stand in there. It is a flaw he has. I mean, it is one of his flaws. Like, he's he's good, but he's got drawbacks. I think one of the drawbacks is um, you can you can rattle him, you can have him make a bad throw instead of throwing it away, or 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 you know taking the loss. He he'll he'll throw a ball you know, directly to your defender. I, I think that that is the one area he needs to improve on. And that as a defense, that's that's what I want to see him doing. Let's switch teams now for the Argonauts. My plan on offense, I want to bring in some more protection. So I think Bethel Thompson 
needs more time, I will sacrifice having one or even sometimes two extra receivers out there on routes to protect. So I, I don't think that's going to be a combination of White and Foster. It's probably a combination of one of those two guys and then one of the fullbacks, Declan Cross, for example. Have both guys in the backfield, run with split backs at a shotgun and have both of those guys in there to help out with the line. Have them, and even when they're releasing out on routes or leaks, great, but have them chip, have them help out those tackles. And that allows the guards in the center to really squeeze everything in the middle. Uh, so that's my plan there to start with. Extra protection, allow Bethel Thompson to have time so he can air it out. And now where I want to target is actually the outside. I really want to see DeVaris Daniels uh, going up against Gary Peters. Gary Peters, he's a great corner. However, I don't like his ability to track the ball in the air. I, I Once he gets in man coverage, he gets his back turned. He's not going to find the football the way that some other guys can. I completely trust Daniels to find that ball and come down with it. So anytime I see man coverage on the outside, whether it's Giddens Jr. to the field side, probably covered by, by Hakeem Johnson, he's sort of the same thing. You know, he can stay with guys. His coverage is tight, but he's not going to find that ball in the air. And and we saw that again and again last week. Lawler just making them look ridiculous. Well covered, but he could find the football and they couldn't. So that's what I want to see. Bring in that extra protection, give McLeod some time, and test those corners, deep routes down the side, especially when you've got man. What is your Argos defensive plan, JB? Well, I, I take this game to be a practice. Uh, I think that the the best teams in the league have really dominated. And so if if I'm the defensive coordinator, I think this is a really good game to to try and get great film on things that we're not great at. I, I'd love to see us be a little better in zone. Um, I'd love to see a game without a bust. So, you know, I think that this is one of the opportunities. I know it's not a scrimmage and you take everybody seriously, but I think, you know, even at the professional level, I think that you can work on things. So if I'm, if I'm the Argos, I play a lot of zone. Um, I'd probably love to 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 give teams uh nothing to to study so i would stay really vanilla i I don't think you need to show very much uh against bc you know i would i would say like you know you maybe stay in a cover three zone and you keep everything in front of you and you know and you you just play straight up football and you don't you don't put any of your blitzes on film um i think this is a game you're looking to get out of showing almost nothing Time for one thing, JB. My one thing this week is a, and it's kind of vague, but I want to see a dominant game from McLeod Bethel Thompson. He is the guy. I want to, at the end of this game, look at the stat line and feel confident in the fact that, oh, that makes sense. This is the Argos starting quarterback. So of course he would put up a good stat line like this. I want to see a completion percentage around 70%. I want to see the passing yard numbers close to 300. And I want to see multiple touchdown passes with no interceptions. That is what I expect to see from a face of the franchise starting quarterback. That's what I want to see from McLeod Bethel Thompson this week. Uh, I'm kind of torn. Um, part of me would love to see the running game get going again. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the pick six. I think the defense 
um, has to be more aggressive, more active. I think we have the players back there to to be more active. If you look at um, Montreal, uh, if you look at Hamilton, if you look at Winnipeg, you look at these teams that are um, the ones that between us and the Great Cup, they have defenses that are scoring points. I think I think the Argos defense needs to be um, better at that contributing more points. So I, I want to see a pick six. I want to see a little more aggressive play. I want to see a little more connection between the blitz and the tight coverage. I don't want to see a blitz and then see a receiver, you know, eight yards of away from any defender. You know, those, those have to go together. Like if it's a blitz, should be a guy right on top of that guy looking for the pick. So I, I'd love to see a much more aggressive ball hawking defense, especially against uh, British Columbia. I would, I would be, you know, I would push the team to do that. So a pick six is what I'm looking for. Come on, Shaq. Prediction this week, I will go first because I don't feel like you're going to try and steal this odd (laughs) number that I've got. I think the Argos win going away. I think the score ends up being a little tighter than the game looks. I have Argos 30, Lions 15. (laughs) Well, that is very close to mine. I mean, I know last week... Uh, my pick did not go well, um, but I'm going to go uh, Argos 28, BC 14. <laughs> That's, okay, so you're going <laughs> first next week. Just You didn't have a pick and you just like rounded my numbers to <laughs> the closest seven. Give me to seven. a more likely football score? Not a likely CFL score. CFL scores never go in 14s, 21s, 28s. They're all over the place. I think 30-15 sounds like a CFL football score. No, so I, I think we'll I think that's... Well, look, when you're right, you're right. Um, it's it's got to be a double-up situation. I think I, I think anything anything less than that, if this is a tight game with BC at home, I think that's a problem. And so hopefully we can see the Argos put this one away, chalk up another home win as they continue to be perfect on the season. And going back a few games into 2019, the Argos have played really well at BMO. So I expect that to continue. And if you were able, you've got to get down to BMO Field this week. The Argos have been doing a huge push to try and get as many fans as they can out and we've picked that up as well we would love to see a boisterous crowd they've already got home field advantage anyway i think it helps being you know the just playing on grass alone i think gives you a little bit of an edge because it's things that the teams just aren't used to but something about the environment something about uh, being at home really does inspire the argonauts because they win at home come out be a part of it be loud and contribute to that home field advantage That will just about do it for us today on the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe.